Aloha. We believe three priorities of our church is very simple. Number one, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Going to get a witness out there, right? Uh, number two, we believe in the Ohana, hence the name Ohana Church. We believe in the family of God. And lastly, we believe in the mission of God. That's our three priorities of, as a church. And our mission is simply this, to love people, help me out, to the beauty of Christ. And I know it sounds robotic when everybody said that, but really it's, the, it's our heart's core, man. It's what we bleed. It's who we are as a body. And the way we celebrate these three priorities is through what we call our membership platform. And so if you're not a member of our church, we want to show you what that looks like. First off, someone will walk in the door and they, they, they get convicted by the preaching of the word, the, the music of the word, uh, and, and relationships of the word of God, and, and they want to belong. Can I get a witness, right? They want to belong to something more than just Facebook or Instagram or, or kick accounts. Can I get a witness, right? All that, all that stuff. And, and, um, and, and the way we communicate the priorities in our church is through church membership. And so we call it Next Step Classes. It's, it's a pretty intense class because we'd go through four weeks of intentional uh, information and intentional theology and, and gift surveys, spiritual gift surveys. And also, there's an interview with myself or Kahu Marcus, one of the leadership of, of where they are and if they want to pro progress forward. And there's really one requirement uh, in this whole process that you would know the gospel and you would know how to communicate the gospel, all right? And so each one of the people behind me, give them a round of applause, right? Each one of them have completed and have fulfilled these priorities through what we call next steps. Many of you out there have been through those. We feel for us to close the back door, you know, the door that people always run out of the church, right? Not a literal back door, but they stop belonging and they stop coming, whatever the case is. We believe they need more information about us, who we are, what we believe, what our spiritual gifts, and the last one, what is servant leadership. And they've faithfully came to every uh, class, and they've gone through the interview process, and they've uh, signed in the dotted line, but more made a covenant between the leadership of this church and with the Lord Jesus that they want to belong to Ohana Church. And so today we're presenting to you, to you our new members and family members of Ohana Church. So would you give the Lord praise for that? And we really ask for four, really four core expectations. Um, and the four core expectation is that you would devote your life to prayer. You would devote your life to discipleship, the preaching of the word. You would devote your life to living generously, tithes and, and offerings. And number four, you would devote your life to missions, whether that's local missions with like the football program we, we are a part of at Hilo High, to, to whatever the case is in our local facility or in the church plants around the world, our nine church plants we've planted in the last four years. Uh, we, it's been a joy to, to be a part of, but that's the expectations. I know it's it's scary to say expectations in the church, but really, we, we have to redeem that word. Man, if we love Jesus, right, if we're truly being rescued by the Savior of the world, then our reaction and our response to Christ is just that, that we're devoted to the one who was first devoted 
to us. And so what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to stretch your hands to this body. All right? And I want you, new members, to stretch your hands to this body. All right? And first, I'm going to ask you out here to repeat these words after me. In the spirit of prayer, with every head bow and eye closed, say, Jesus, we anoint these few to make much of you. Jesus, help them to belong, not just attend, but belong. Help them to seek you, to learn about you, to give graciously, and to live missionally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, and you pray out to them. Say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I devote my life to you and this body and those that don't belong to your ohana yet. Keep my heart pure. Keep my mind clear. Keep my faith sincere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a clap of praise today. You are dismissed. You are dismissed. If you're new to the church, we are an expositional church. We do books of the Bible verse by verse. And, uh, and we took a break for the month of November. And we're looking at a family series. And this family series is, is entitled uh, Designed by God. And we looked at three specific areas of how God designed the family, specifically the foundation of the family. We believe that the foundation of the family is literally based on Christ. Can I get a witness, right? So, so in, in, in week one, Kahu Marcus had the gracious gift to share with you that that foundation is found in the Holy Spirit of God. Week two, we talked about the structure of the family between one man and one woman for one lifetime. And though that may not be true for all couples, that that is the goal, that God would redeem what it looks like to be designed by him in the area of relationships between a man and a woman and to their children. And then last week, we looked at the mission of the family. We said it clearly that the mission of the family is not so much what happens outside of the home as much as it happens what? Inside of the home. That personal development, personal discipleship from what a child sees from their parents' view is very important. But it's very clear that you, we can't let secondary issues allow us to predict or determine the way we are designed. The world would say one way of how a family should be designed, but God's way may and usually always is different. Uh, the world will always levitate to immaturity and the, and the flesh and ungodliness, but the Word of God brings us back to the real structure, foundation, and mission of the family. And so today, we're going to look at the final part of our series, and then we're jumping back in the Gospel of Mark for the Christmas season. And today, we're going to look at the future of the family. How many of you want to know what God's future is for your family? Can I get an amen out there, right? I need some participation because I did not sleep last night, all right? We lost, 
We got what we call lickings, right, in our days. Uh, but it was all good. it's all good, right? And so the joy is I need your participation in, in words and affirmation and, and, and not fall asleep, Hawaiians, this morning as best as I can. I mean, I may fall asleep, so just say amen so I can wake up when I'm preaching, right? But, but, but let's walk through what it looks like how God designed the future of the family. And here's a, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be one of those preachers where I gimmick you into waiting 30 minutes down the road and give you the answer. I'm going to give you the answer right now. Are you ready? Ho'o mao kao kao. All right. Here, listen to this biblical truth. The future of the family is the local church. Hmm. I heard amens. Let me say it again. The future of the family is the local church. Amen. All right? God died for his church. How can we say we belong to God, but we forsake the one thing he died for? Heller, right? Well, church, you don't have to go to a building on Sundays and all this stuff. And I, well, let me articulate what church is. In the Greek language, in the English language, there is no word church. The word church was designed by our best functioning of the Greek word. The original language in the New Testament, the first time we see the word church is the word ekklesia. If you can say that in the spirit of God, say that with me. One, two, three, ekklesia. And it is not even close to the term that we would use church. It is the word, the called out ones. Right? So the question to you would be, what are we called out from? This is why the gospel is important. Can I get a witness? This is why we preach the gospel every Sunday. This is why we preach death, right, and life, hell and heaven, right? Because to identify who we are as a church is to identify with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness out there? Remember, I need some amens to stay awake for me, all right? And so listen to me, the called out one is simply this, Colossians says it's best, that we have been stripped from the dominion of darkness and we've been placed in his everlasting light. The word light is symbolic for Jesus, that we literally been stripped from hell, from death, and we've been literally, we've been placed in Christ as our Savior, but not just as benefactors of Savitari, but also as our Master and our Lord. The true Christian will not just submit to the Savior of Jesus Christ, but a genuine follower of Jesus will also submit to the Lordship of Christ. So the way God designed the future of the family is through the avenue of the church. The local church. Well, I don't have to go church. Well, let me question you. Are you gathering with fellow believers who are led by a qualified elder? There's a structure. In the church, you have Jesus, who is the high priest. Under Jesus, you have the leaders of the church. Some call them pastors, elders, kahu, priests, whatever it is. That is stuff. Are you following biblical leadership or are you just living life, all right, outside of God's design as a follower of Christ? Because if you are, I would do two things. I would question your relationship with the Lord Jesus genuinely. And number two, or number two, I would question your fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Like there's two difference. Relationship means like there is no connection at all. 
Fellowship means there is a connection, but in disobedience and whatever excuse we want to use, we choose not to connect with the Lord who saved us. And we see it all through Scripture. So the future of the family is the local church. Alvin Reed, my professor in seminary, says it this way. The church is the base in which Christ reaches the world. You cannot reach the world apart from that platform. What does that mean? You cannot be gun ho and renegade and think you can do it by yourself. The church is the branch in which Christ will reach the world. We don't even have these military positions, right? The Marines, the Navy, the Air Force, whatever the case. We don't have. We have the church, the called out ones. It's not the job of the pastor alone to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the job of the church to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you feel convicted because I'm yelling like I'm on the sideline, praise be to God. We don't need feel-good teaching anymore. That is sending people straight to hell. We need preachers that will preach hell. We need preachers that will preach sin. That saying because they truly love you, they'll preach against your pillakia and your heaven. And in God's grace, he'll honey, honey you back to the truth and the reality of freedom. The church is the base in which Christ will reach the world. Number two, Mark Dever, one of my favorite quotes, even says this, the church is the gospel made visible. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. You're the called out ones. You're the one specifically that should be the picture and image of Jesus himself in the world that's dying and going straight to hell. You are that. When somebody looks at you, your co-worker, your teammate, whatever the case is, can they say, man, this guy knows Jesus? Or can they say, if they're not knowing Jesus, man, who's this brother? He's weird. I cuss at him all the time, and he still hugs me after every day at work. No makes sense, right? Why, why does it not make sense? Because that's the way the world is designed, to love our enemies, Right? To love people that don't act like us or look like us or feel like us. Let me give you a great theological lesson. You ready? Look around you right now. Look. Look. Right? It's not one of those southern churches in the Bible Belt. Hoines, you look different. How do I know? Everybody else, look to your right. Oh, you're, yeah, you're right. Right? I can promise you, you don't look like everybody in this room. I? Look to your left, everybody. Right? No worries. Hey, we family. If there's anybody we can eye out, is our family, right? Don't worry. We're not going to get cracks, okay? It is what it is, right? Now we look at it. Somebody would say, oh, I wish you would redesign me, God. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little bit on the fluffy, fun size, right? Somebody would say, man, I wish you would fix that girl's mouth. You know, God, oh, that ball going to look like that singer from Queen, you know, Bhakti Biva and all that. You know, so I mean, that, the reality is, yeah, all oh, one of you got it. You wasn't even born yet at that time, Paul Marcus. Listen to me. God has uniquely given us the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the church. To be the church. I pray this cuts your heart right now. Like, for real, not out of, not, not, not out of manipulation, but the truth. How can you call yourself a follower of Christ, but you neglect the people that he died for as well? 
There's truth to that. I've seen people over and over come and go. When they get what they needed, they're gone. When they feel like they need more of this, they, they come back, right? It's the reality. I've been doing this for 17 years. My father's been doing it for 40 years. I watched him go through it. And we can complain as ministers or we can preach the truth and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do apart from me. Like, I, I can't convince you anything. I'm a local boy from the homestead that in need of Jesus, period, bar none. I need Jesus. Who needs Jesus in this room, right? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to balance that out this week. Today we're going to look at both Old Testament and New Testament. And we're going to look at what these passages says about the future of the family, specifically in the direction of the church. Would you stand with me and turn your Bibles to the minor prophet of Joel? You may ask, why is there minor prophets? Well, all minor prophet books in the Old Testament are shorter passages. Less fewer verses and chapters. No difference by the message. The message is still powerful as the major prophets. But that's how we identify distinctives and contrasts to the word this morning with minor and major prophets. In the, gospel, in the prophet uh, book of Job, we see a prophecy made hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. Some people would say thousands of years. I'll stick with my facts of hundreds of years, all right? For Jesus came on the scene as a little baby hundreds of years ago. Joel said this by the inspiration of the Lord, starting in verse 28. And it shall come to pass when? Afterward. So something's going to take place. Then when that thing takes place, something else will manifest. Joel says this, inspired by God again, that I will what? Pour out my spirit on some flesh, all flesh, Micah On all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see what? Visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out what? My spirit. Now let's fast forward hundreds of years forward, okay? And look at, the, at Acts chapter 2. Turn to Acts chapter 2. This is where the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that Joel prophesied about, he comes on the scene, there's a manifestation of the spirit. There's some utterly tongues that are being spoken and interpretations are taking place. And there's a lot of different theological views on there, whether you are a Calvinistic view or Arminian view or whether you are a sensationist, a dispensationalist, or a continuous, or you don't understand this, you know, it don't matter this, okay? Uh, the, the reality, it, there was some manifestations that took place. Peter preaches this same exact prophecy. And here was the result of the prophecy. The birth of the New Testament church. Can I get a witness? In chapter 2, verse 42 on, it says this, And they say that D word with me, devoted. Say it again with me. Devoted. Now, now, say it like we say, ready? Devoted. Right? They didn't half or call it this. Can I get a witness? They committed. They devoted themselves to the what? 
apostles' teachings. To the what? And the fellowship. To the what? To the breaking of bread. And what? And prayers. This is what happens when the Spirit of God comes over you. And all came upon every soul. Not some flesh, but all flesh, right? Now, now it's soul in the New Testament. Yes, you can see where we're going. And, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Remember the Joel prophecy. And all who believed were what? Yeah. Were what? Yeah. Were what? Yeah. Dad gum. I never heard of that in my life. Christians together? Wow, you know? Right? All were together and had all things in what? Common. What are those things? I'm glad you asked. Read it on. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and disputing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is not a prosperity gospel message. This is a gospel message. God, we love you. Quicken our hearts. We're dependent on you and you alone. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercies are new every morning. God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this powerful two different verses, but with same agendas and same meanings, I want you to see three realities of the future of the, our families. I want you to really get this. If we don't get this, we're going to miss out on a genuine, authentic, theological application of what it means to be the church. What it means to be a family of God. And number one, reality. We see the gift of the Spirit. In Joel chapter 2, God promises to pour out His Spirit. The word to pour in the Hebrew language, was, which is the original language of this time, it, it also means to rise up. To raise up. Meaning that when we think of pouring, we think of water coming over us. But this, the, the transition of water coming over us is something happens, right? If, if I miko, right, like football game last night, right, if I smell miko, hauna, yeah, right, uh, I got to what, guys? I got to botcha, man. I got to, oh, oh, I got to scrub real good, right? Now, now, the difference is when that is poured on me, there's a different result. What? I don't smell miko anymore. Can I get a witness out there, right? Especially the pico, the belly button. Let's just be honest, bro. It's one of the most haunted things in the world. Can I get a witness, right? Right. I don't know if Adam had on pico or not. There's a theological debate of it. But if he didn't, praise God for him, right? It's the reality. Like, like when something is poured over, things begin to manifest. When, when, when the Lord says, I'm going to pour out specifically my spirit on you, that he also meant, I'm going to rise something out of you too. I'm going to rise some things that take place that represent, not you, but me. Remember, remember, God's story is not primarily about you. That's why, let, let, me, let me make it clear. Stop taking selfies of yourself and putting scripture over it like it's about you, hello. All two claps over there, right? You got to know what I'm talking about. Stop taking selfies of yourself thinking that Scripture is primarily about you. Scripture is not primarily about you. Scripture is primarily about God. About God and His goodness and His faithfulness. 
So, so every time you see somebody put a scripture over their selfie picture, you're going to remember this sermon. Amen? Yeah. you remember this sermon. Very clear. It's like the titters that used to do the butterflies in the back, right? You remember that tattoo joke, right? And 10 years later from birthing beautiful babies, it looks like a pterodactyl today. You know, that's the reality. All right? I mean, that's the deal. I mean, we got to understand Scripture is not primarily about us. It's about the Lord Jesus. Hey, you guys can laugh here, okay? We're not that kind, quiet church, all right? We're good over here. We can laugh. Remember, participants are going to fall asleep, right? Think I slain in the spirit. I'm not. I'm tired, all right? Here's the reality. All right? Tipor means to raise up. And in addition, we see in John chapter 14 and chapter 16, Jesus himself tells us that he would send a helper. He is directed straightly from Joel. God says in Joel, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Jesus himself comes on the earth in the flesh. He drops bomb. I got to leave. Wow. Could you imagine the disciples? I wish the devil would right now, right? You're not going nowhere, Jesus. But he says this, I got to leave. Because I'm going to send you a helper. And he also says in those chapters that uh, greater things you will do than I will ever do because of my spirit in you. Now, he's not saying that we're greater than him. He's just saying that the, the process of redemption was knowing that Jesus was just will remain on earth for a few years. And he would have to go to the right hand of the Father. And he would have to redeem men through the cross, through the burial, through his resurrection, through his ascension, and, and in our uh, eschatology views, his descension coming back to rescue us and save us. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit, and that is my gift to you. Augustine says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, without the spirit, we can neither love God nor keep his what? Commandments. Why do you think many Christians play church today? Why do you think many Christians aren't devoted today to the body that Christ has also died for? It's not a separation of salvation and one day the Spirit will come over me. It's hand in hand. We believe doctrinally that when the Spirit's job is to rescue us, to save us, Right there and then, there is no secondary salvation after that. The majority of churches in this town, I know their doctrine statement. They will preach the opposite, that you will be saved first, then down the road you will be filled with the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God, and then you will get other gifts. That is not what Scripture teaches. In Romans uh, 8, it specifically said, if you do not have my Spirit, you are not my child. We need this spirit for regeneration, the new birth. So old school preachers call it born again, to be saved, to be rescued, to be freed from our sin, to have a relationship with Jesus. Apart from God's spirit, we can neither love God nor keep his commandments. So I would honestly question your salvation today. Huh? Why not? I would question your salvation today. Not so that we can have all, everybody raise their hand after service and tell the office, oh, we had 100 salvations today, right? No. I will put you to the test. The Spirit of God in me will put you to the test. Do you truly know Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions of what Christians do in America today? 
Yeah, now, is it good that you gather together? Amen, you're good. But I would question you today. I don't care if your father was a preacher. I don't care if you grew up in the church. I don't care if you even is one of those excuses that you are hurt by the church, right? We're all hurt by somebody. Whether they look like the church or whether they don't look like the church. The message is still the same. God comes to redeem sinners. So without the Spirit, we can neither love God nor keep His commandments. Listen to me. God's Spirit, listen to me, is His gift to us. God's Spirit is His gift to us. We are sunk apart from His Spirit. We are saved as Titus 3. All right, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, says, we are saved by the washing of regeneration through the Holy Spirit. We need God's Spirit. We need His Spirit. Listen to me. When it comes to the Trinitary Godhead, the only Godhead, the only agency of the Godhead that is here on earth with us, hear me out, it's not God the Father. It's not even God the Son. Hear me out. It's God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yes, they're three in one, and they complement each other's distinctive roles. God gives up his son. The son gives up his life. Watch this. And the Spirit of God gives you and I life. They work together. Hand, these are the kind of doctrines that need to be re-preached and faithfully preached. Not just topical messages because that's relevant, but nothing can be more relevant than the Trinitarian Godhead. We are a, listen to me, we are a picture of a perverted Godhead or a redeemed Godhead. That's the reality. Either or. So, so God's spirit to us is God's gift to us. That's how we respond. That's how we devote our lives to God. Number two, we see the goodness of the Spirit. This goodness was lived out through the New Testament believers. Actually, there's marks. This is, these are marks of a healthy church. Now, this doesn't mean, I don't believe a healthy church is because they have hundreds of people or thousands of people in the church. Man, the pastor could be a her, heretic, all right, with big, a lot of people. Right, and go straight to hell after his time is done. I, I don't believe we can measure the success of a church on numbers. What we can measure the success, the success of the church is on these criteria, these faithful criteria. And we see two things out of these faithful criteria is that we see in the New Testament family, they were devoted to the Lord. Acts 2, Acts 2.42, I want you to see, they literally devoted their lives to the number one thing, the apostles' teaching. Today, looking back towards chapter 2, in this future, the apostles' teaching is what today? The word of, starts with a G, end with an O-D, what? God. Oh, man, PhD's up in there. All right, it's the word of God. It's scriptures, okay? It's scriptures. Remember, stay awake. Because you don't want me to fall asleep, all right? All right this little, and this is lived out through their honor and respect for the preaching of the word. You may ask, why do we stand every Sunday? Most, most churches don't do it. That's one of the reasons why we do it, but that's not the main reason. Because we value God's word. We don't believe it's just lyrics on a page. 
We believe it's freshly breathed out by the Lord himself, right? To 40 different authors in a 2,000-year span with the same message. Who can do such a miracle? God. God, he can do so great. So these believers devoted themselves to the Lord, and they replicated uh, that through God's spirit and God's word, and they knew this. They couldn't separate God's word from God's spirit. It was one accord, right, right? Like the, the preacher says, those who focus just on the word of God, you know, they dry up. Those who focus on the spirit of God, they well up. But those who, who have the word of God and the spirit of God grow up. We just have a lot of spiritual immaturity in our world today. And we need both the word of God and, 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 and the spirit of God, right, to both prick our hearts and honey honey us. Right? Put them up, right? That kind of thing, right? We, 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 we need God's word and God's spirit to lift us, because they work hand in hand, and the New Testament believed that. They, they knew that the Word of God and the Spirit of God was hand in hand together. Hebrews 4.12 describes it this way, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Look at uh, It's not on the screen, but Matthew 4.4 4 says that we should not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, I read it every time before I preach while the video is going. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Isaiah 55.11 says, God's word will not go out empty. Do you see the, the seriousness of these devoted followers of Jesus? Would, could you measure your life today and say that your life measures up to that standard? that I am faithfully committed and devoted to the Word of God. We don't want to use the word committed, right? Our culture has become seeker-sensitive, and that's been the problem with American Christianity for the last hundred years. We have made ministries to, to make people feel better about their sin, rather worse about their depravity. We've created those ministries. And then we, we have to drop back and say, man, what is the gospel? What well, we see, the goodness of the Spirit is that these New Testament believers were devoted to the, the Lord. But number two, these New Testament believers were devoted to one another. Can I get an amen there, right? They were devoted to one another. Look at the text. The text says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that three other things took place in this devotion. Number one, they fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. It doesn't mean just to, to get together, but it means to literally share life together in any way or fashion, shape or fashion. Eat food together. Play basketball like the men are going to play today at wherever they go, right? To do whatever, to serve together. This is what it meant to be together, to share life together. The second thing is they broke bread. Now, this doesn't mean that they had a feast. This, specifically, this part specifically meant that they took the Lord's Supper. They broke the bread, and they, they took the wine, and they remembered the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice for humanity. And then lastly, they prayed. And look at these things, these four criteria things that makes up a healthy church was a regular thing. We didn't read the text, but it said they did this every day. Not by themselves, together. Now, hear, hear me out. 
we would say, well, we just can't do that because culture is this, is that. And I get, I get that and I understand that. But I believe in the next 50 years, there will be so much persecution that will happen in this nation. And all you're going to have outside of Jesus is the church. And it may look different. I want you to see the, the, the emphasis of when a nation falls. How they redefine marriage. How they redefine murder. How they redefine the church and theology and doctrine. Look at it through all of history. The one thing that always ends up happening is those who truly seek Jesus are persecuted. And they're killed for their faith. Now, now, we have a freedom in this nation that allows us to meet on Sundays. This is not true for some of my brothers and sisters that I know personally. In Southeast Asia, right, in the Middle East, in Africa, in what we call the 1040 longitude latitude area, where it is the most persecution all around the world and the least Christian. All they have outside of Jesus is the church. Some of them don't even have a Christian there. Therefore, they're dying without Christ, knowing Christ. Therefore, we know that those who never hear Christ will never see Christ. You may say, man, that is such not a loving God. No, no, no. Listen to me. God didn't have to save us in this room at all. And he would have been still good and just not to do that. Why? Because we come from a fallen people. You heard the saying, one rotten apple spoils the bunch. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Thanks. In fact, sometimes we should discipline our child that way. When we discipline our children, we shouldn't isolate the child and just discipline the child. We should discipline the whole family. Okay, we were going to go watch movies, but I guess we can't now. Okay, we were going to go to your football game, but I guess we can't now. And, and we faithfully share the scriptures with them of, of why we need to be in alignment with the word. But, but we always, listen to me, we always design ourselves the way the world is designed. Why? Because it's easy. It's easy to point the finger, right, to discard your own personal sin. Because it makes you feel better. But the gospel wasn't individually. The gospel was communally. God didn't save just individuals. He saved people. Those people, the church, the called one, belong together. And here's the issue. One of the most habitual sin for any follower of Jesus is the struggle in being devoted to the local church. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, that's the key. One of the most habitual sins in a believer is forsaking the gathering of the saints as some may in Hebrews chapter 10. So, so I want you to hear this clear. Verse 43, there's an outpouring, and they see many signs and wonders, and it took place with the church when they were together. Maybe signs and wonders ain't happening because we're not together. Right? We, we need to be together to see signs and wonders to take place, and you may say that you, you put that the gospel of Jesus Christ all on your shoulders and your inability to hear what God is saying to you today. But in all reality, that's your problem. The gospel is not whether or not you can understand what I say. The gospel is that God can make you understand when he pours his spirit on you because he rises you up. 
He rises you up in the spirit. He just don't give you a spirit to make you feel belittled. He gives you his spirit to make you feel lively. Like I've been telling the band for, for, for years, may your body reflect the song we're playing. Right? Well, don't be saying, I got the mighty warrior. Oh, my goodness. Really? He don't sound mighty. He don't look mighty. Right? We see the words have power. Words have meaning. Right? And expressions. Right? They're, they're, we're not that chosen, frozen church. All right? We are a church washed by God's spirit. And God's spirit allows us to rise up. Well, my heart is rising up. Let me tell you something. When you love somebody, you're going to make that known. I'm telling you, when you love somebody, you're going to make that known. You're not going to say, oh, yeah. See, Lane right now. I love her. <laughs> like we put more passion in our complaints. We put more passion in, in calling somebody out when you got a speck in your own eye, Hawaiian. We got, we, got, we, got, uh, we got more passion in being victimized by what I just said, you know? Oh, yeah, they hurt me. It's not about you. You're the problem. I'm the problem. Y'all the problem? You ends the problem? We problems. Matics, right? Problematic. And we need to have a blip, biblical understanding of the Lord Jesus. Two hours is catching up. Here we go, guys. They devoted themselves to each other. Let's just get to the last point. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Amen. The last one. We see the generosity of the Spirit. Before we go on, I grew up in church. I've done some fanaticism things in church. I felt like I had the Holy Spirit, and I did outer experience stuff. And, it, it, and I say it's not genuine, but for me, it was just a show because I copycat the person in church. It was a way to be long. They did that, so guess what? I did that. Then I read scripture, and not all, but some did not line up with scripture. So when I, when I truly came to know Jesus, 18 years old, I wanted to give my life away. Like, like, it was a lot, since he lost it, I wanted to be a missionary in, uh, in Africa. And the only reason why I wanted to be a missionary in Africa was because everybody was going to Africa for my church, right? And uh, it would be pretty cool to be a few Hawaiians in Africa, right? And, and, all that. and I'm more dark than these holidays that are going right now, so maybe there would be contextualization. There. But, but the reality is was that I just wanted to give my life away. Because that, like, when God gave his life to me, like, I wanted to do whatever I could, you know, you, you know how you see I can preach and I can, I can play the instrument and I, I can do whatever. Like, I can do a lot of things, right? You know why? Because when I got saved, I just wanted to learn everything and anything. Like literally, I didn't touch a computer until I started college. All right? That's 21 years old. My, my parents were in their 50s and 60s already at the time. We did not have computers or Nintendo and all that. All right? That was the family down the street that I would go to. All right? We, we didn't have any of that. What did we have? Instruments. That's all we had. What we had, a lot of PVC pipes. 
when I turn my Eaton building in Papaiko, right? We had a lot. So I learned certain things, right, that, that I was surrounded around. But I wanted to do everything and anything. Zeke, do you want to drive the church bus? Yes. Zeke, do you want to sing this week? Absolutely. Zeke, do you want to mop the ground? Yes. Zeke, do you want to clean up the trash? Yes. And sometimes they didn't even have to tell me. I just wanted to give my life away because God gave his life away to me. I wanted to showcase everything. Now, eventually, I got bored and tired and all that because I, uh, I, I realized I was one man, right? Here's the reality. The things we do, does it reflect God's design or the world's design? And now listen to me. The gospel is not about, the gospel is not you being broken in need of a Savior. It's not. The gospel is that you're sinful in need of a Savior. Does that make sense? Brokenness can only come when the Spirit of God is poured on you. Till then, you're just sinful. So you wonder why you always go back to your sin and all this stuff. You miss out on true theology and doctrine that, that when God pours on you, what goes in must come out. So the generosity of the Spirit, the remaining verses shows us how living generously looked like in verse 44 and 45. Let me give you two life applications. Number one, Life application. Living generously is how God pours out his spirit into us. Right, you guys know the famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? So there's a direct generosity to you directly. Right? But, but life application number two, living generously is how God pours out his spirit through you. Right? Living generously is the result, listen to me, is the result of one word that we see in our verses today. And it's the word belief. Belief. You may say, man, I don't have the money or the resources to live generously. Let me challenge that. You ready? Look at the verses, verse 44 and 45. Even leaders of the church gets this wrong. And all those who had what? Say that B word again. That's a good B word. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Were together and had all things in common. Why? Because they believed. And they began, here we go. You guys ready? Selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. This is what I'm not saying, all right? I'm not saying that you're going to give everything you have right now, selling them, and you're going to give it to the church. That is not, I say, because you've got to understand the context. Here in this context was that these new Christians were being persecuted. So they couldn't go to the welfare office to get what they needed because the welfare office was against them. They would get killed. Today, they would get shot. They would get hung. Right? No, there was many persecutions because they didn't believe just in the old Jewish ways. But now they believed in the new way, which was found in Jesus. So they, all they had was one another. Some theologians believe that they had campsites even outside of Jerusalem when these Christians were forced out of Jerusalem. Look, I want you to hear it. I know giving is a hot topic uh, in our post-Christian society. 
However, we cannot sit back and say we love Jesus but not show Jesus through our giving. Uh, listen to me. I want to encourage everyone in this room. We want you to have a great heart, uh, head, I mean, a head knowledge of the Lord. But we also want you to have a sincere faith. Does that make sense? We want you to have a sincere faith. And this is what Paul says about this kind of giving. 1 Timothy 1.5. The aim of our charge is what? Love. This is how it defines love. This is what love is. And this is the picture of Jesus in our life. This is how he lives generously. And that love issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a what? Sincere faith. Here's the future of the family. That Christ will be glorified through his church. And if we may never get any credit for the advancement of the gospel, praise be to God. So, yeah, we want the recognition. That's what the flesh does. I scored that touchdown. I built this building. I did this. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, who's holding your breath in you right now that allows you to do this? The Lord Jesus. We have grown as a church. We have two Sunday Christians, three Sunday Christians. The norm is two Sundays now a month. That's it. That, and sometimes it's not even Sunday mornings. It's also two just groups or hundred groups or whatever, small groups, church. This is one I want you to pray through right now. How is God challenging you from this message to be better connected to his family? Listen to me. This church goes up and down in attendance. And out of the 100%, there's maybe a 40-60% ratio that remains. Okay? In my understanding, that's the 40-60% to I'm going to invest my energies in. And those other percentage, I'm going to love them, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to go to the other percent that's not being reached with the gospel. So you may say, hey, some of our relationships have been changed in the last couple of years. Listen to me. So did Jesus send his disciples.